The following message was preached at Gospel City Church, a church that seeks to cast a gospel net for the people of Kuala Lumpur. A few months ago, I shared with you a message uh, from the letter of 2 John. Uh, we titled that sermon, uh, Walking in Truth and Love. And the big idea from that message was this. We are each called to live, not to live as lonely Christians. God made us to thrive in a loving community. We are called to walk in truth and love. And walking in truth and love means the following things. To believe and acknowledge that God has given you eternal life through His Son, Jesus Christ. To love God and others as a response to what God has done for you. To love others faithfully, carrying out the work God has called you to do. And to love them enough to let them know that the junk food of sins is making them sick, but also tell them the truth, that their disease is curable. Jesus is the cure. And finally, we were also reminded, specifically in John, 2 John, that to say no to false teachers and point out their errors to others who may be influenced by them. So the truth of Christ, the truth of the gospel, and the truth of the word of God is the air in which our love lives and flourishes. Now in verse 1 of 2 John, it says, Whom I love in the truth. The truth is also the foundation on which our love rests. In verse 2 of that same letter, uh, John said, Whom I love because of the truth. Love comes out from truth. So this morning, uh, we will look at the third letter of John. If you could turn your Bible to the third John, uh, chapter, only one chapter, the shortest book in the Bible, as a passage for our message this morning. Let me set my timer. Oops, sorry. Stopwatch. Okay. Now, you will find that in the same, in Third John, you'll find the same language and words used uh, in Second John. Love, truth, and uh, love in the truth, and walking in the truth, and all, all these words are repeated in both letters. So let us go to the Word of God, Third John. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it, is, as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like this, that we may be fellow workers 
for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. Let's pray. Father, we pray this morning as we walk through the verses in uh, the letter of Third John, you speak to us. Uh, directly as you speak to, as John spoke to Gaius, we ask that you just speak to us. Faithfully, we seek un to understand your word in Jesus' name. So the letter of Third John uh, gives us a glimpse into the life of the early church. Uh, it is a helpful accompaniment to the second letter which was written to a Christian lady, if you remember, about how to handle the false teachers in that day. This third letter of John was a private letter written to one Christian man. And it's not a public letter to the church. It was written to Gaius about how to take care of the true teachers who were traveling about ministering the word of God. There is both a contrast and a similarity in these two letters from John. Third John shows us some problem of personalities within the church. And the three people um, and three people are mentioned. There is a man named Gaius, to whom this letter is written, another man named Diotrephes, and a third individual named Demetrius. Based on the language used, it is most likely the person who delivered this letter from John to Gaius. Demetrius is the person holding the letter, delivering to Gaius. Now, these three men are like three kinds of Christians found in the church at any, in any age. Like other letters of the New Testament, there is a very, this is a very up-to-date and relevant letter even to the present-day church. It is not far off for us to read Third John as a letter written by Jesus and addressing GCC. So that's the posture, the mindset I would like us to go through this letter. I've taken the liberty to codify the lives of these three men mentioned as the good, the bad, and the truth. And we use it as a title for this morning's message. First, there's a man named Gaius. It is clear from the letter that John knew him and addresses him 
in a warm and friendly way. John refers to Gaius as beloved several times. We can gather from the letter that Gaius was a gentle, gracious, and generous individual. I want to draw your attention uh, to three things that John says about him. They are important for us to notice as it speaks of a life that is good. Gaius is the good. First, he was strong of soul. It's in, the, in, in verse 2. That, that was what warmed John's heart. I'll read verse 2 again. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it, is, as it goes well with your soul. Now, this is a wonderful greeting to say about someone. I wish you could be as strong in body as you are in spirit. That's what John is saying. So it would be interesting to apply this test to people today. If your physical appearance reflected your spiritual state, what would you look like? Would you be a robust individual, strong? Or would you be a weakling, barely able to move? Well, Gaius was the sort of man about whom the John could say, I wish your physical life were as strong as your spiritual life. So the contrast is that the spiritual life was extremely robust and strong, and I wish your physical life is just as healthy. This is what John was saying. Now, secondly, Gaius also lived a very consistent life in his actions. And in verse 3, uh, John says, For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. Gaius lived a life that manifests the truth of Christ, the truth of the gospel, the truth of the word of God. He showed the truth in his life. What impressed John was not that he knew the truth, but that he followed the truth and he lived it. He had a consistent life. He walked in the truth. That's second point. And thirdly, he was a generous, he was also generous in his giving. Uh, verse 5 and 6. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. One of the signs that a person has really been genuinely touched by God is that he is not tight with his financial resources. His giving becomes generous, gracious, and cheerful, just as God loves. And Gaius is faithful in his giving. This means that he is a regular and systematic in his giving. He does not give when his emotions are moved, but he plans his giving and he carries it through faithfully continuing with the work that he has promised. It is also clear that he gave cheerfully because John says he gave in a manner worthy of God. God does not want us to give because we feel we have to, 
or because somebody is taking a special offering or to feel that if we do not, we will be looked down upon by others. Zacchaeus gives because he delights in giving. So this is a story of a man who is living a life that is good. We will come back to verse 7 and 8 in a moment, uh, which addresses one application point in our message today. But for now, let's shift our attention to the second man mentioned in the letter, Diotrephus. Diotrephus was mentioned in just two verses. But if you listen through the message, I have more text about him than about Gaius. Third John, verse 9 and 10. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephus, who lives to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. So this is a clear example in the early church of a bossy church leader, someone who tries to run the church the way he sees fit. He may have been an elder or a deacon or perhaps a pastor. We can't tell for certain, but it was someone who behaved like his role was that of telling everyone else in the church what to do. A bossy man. Two weeks ago, our elder Chris shared with us a message about elders. He explained that GCC elders are first members, not elders. First, they are members. Starting as a new church, we operated for a period before nominating and affirming Chris, Massimo, and myself as your elders. But according to GCC's constitution, I'm going to repeat uh, Chris's point uh, he shared two weeks ago, Elders serve for a maximum of two consecutive terms of three years each. An elder will need to take a sabbatical of at least one year before resuming his role again. This is in the Constitution. We, those who of you who are covenant partners agreed and acceded and signed your agreement to the Constitution of the Church. Now, this idea may be new to some of you who came from other churches. You may not be very comfortable to the idea of a long... You may be very comfortable, not... No, you may be very comfortable to the idea of a long-serving elders. I'm the oldest person in this room, and uh, you'll be happy to see me age as we go along. But as Chris mentioned, as your elders, our role is to develop and grow men amongst you to aspire to the office of elder in GCC. There is wisdom in this approach. It mitigates the risks of an individual whom we know are all fallen, vulnerable to sin, becoming the focal point of power and church governance. The story of Diotrephus, as I was reflecting and preparing for this message, is a clear example how things could go wrong if we are not mindful, recognizing uh, who should be leading the church? It has to be Jesus and not any individual. Based on the verses we just read, it seems the early church had some kind of a membership role, just like covenant partners' role. 
and Diotrephus did not like somebody, he would scratch that person's name off the list and put him out of the church. And that is objectionable to John. John indicates that Diotrephus was guilty of at least four wrong attitudes and actions. For one, John says that this man was guilty of slandering the apostle, talking wicked nonsense against us. He refused or rejected the authority of the apostle John. Now we know from the letters, from other letters that the apostles had an important role in the history of church. And those of you who are doing church history, when you come to the early churches, uh, Nick will walk you through in how important the apostles were in laying the foundation of the church. They were given, the apostles were given the authority to settle all questions within the church. It is this apostolic word that is passed along to us in the New Testament or the letters, which is why the New Testament is the authoritative guide to Christians. So here was a man who not only disregarded the authority of the Apostle John, but he even spoke against him. He said slanderous, evil things against the Apostle. That's the one thing he did wrong. Secondly, he says Diotrephus is refusing to welcome brothers, brethren who came when these traveling ministers who went from place to place speaking the truth of God came to his congregation, he rejected them. Diotrephus will have nothing to do with them, and he turned them aside and refused to allow them to speak to the church, to allow them to speak in the church. So the third thing also is that he also put people out of the church who would have taken this man in. He not only objected to the man who came, but he objected to those who would have received them. This is a dangerous curse on the church ever since when politics and personality gets in to the relationship in the family of believers. Because there is this tendency to refuse fellowship to someone who likes someone you do not like. You know, all this idea that I'm not going to friend you because you like that someone. So these are all destructive and uh, a curse to good, healthy, truth fellowship. It will lead to divisive uh, relationship. And we have, I, and without pointing specifics, you will have seen and come across church relationships that borders on this model. But those are just three offenses. None of them was as severe as the thing John put in verse 9. He says, the most serious problem Diotrephus had was that he put himself first. He loved to be first, which is a dead giveaway that he was acting in the flesh. This, was all, this is always the priority of the flesh. Me first. In doing that, he was robbing Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus of his prerogative, removing the glory of Jesus' name, and glorifying himself instead. It is Jesus who has the right 
to preeminence. He should be first. But here is a man who put himself first. And that is really a serious offense. Now, unfortunately, there are many men like Diotrephus in churches today. And they are typically characterized by this attitude. They want to be first. The safeguard that we have put in place is that no elders in GCC will grow to be that dominant and that influential and that self-elevating that Diotrephus runs this church. Diotrephus, people like him, want part of the glory. They rob God of his inheritance, stealing that which rightfully belongs to God himself. So this is a story of a man in a church who lives a life that is bad. It is likely that in our life, we will come across characters like Diotrephus, even in a church. We pray that we safeguard and mindful and be faithful to the word that we guard ourselves from not turning into Diotrephus-like attitudes and hard attitudes. Now, let, but at the same time, it's important. Let us see what John's uh, counsel is in this situation. When there's a Diotrephus in church, notice that he does not advise Gaius to organize split, to split from that church. Rather, he says, beloved, in verse 11, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. In other words, do not follow this man who won the preeminence. If you see somebody who is always jockeying for position in Christian relationships, always wanting to be in the public eye, do not follow him. Diotrephus lived a bad life. He's following his own way and not that of God. We are told not to imitate him. It is evil and the person who does that has not seen God. Instead, we are called to imitate good. Finally, we move to the third man in the, in the mention in the letter, Demetrius. And all we know of him is what John says in verse 12. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also, we also add our testimony and you know that our testimony is true. John is speaking of an apostle, uh, as an apostle with an oversight and understanding of what's uh, happening in the early church and he was giving his overview, summary and introduction on the man Demetrius. He says, I want to, under he sort of says, I want to underscore that everybody, what everybody thinks about Demetrius. Here's a man you can trust. He's a man of the truth. He was, he has borne testimony from all that he is to be trusted. Demetrius was most likely the bearer of the letter delivered to Gaius. 
and probably one of those missionaries who traveled from places to places teaching and planting churches. He is likely one of the people mentioned in verse 7 and 8, a faithful worker of the truth that has gone out for the sake of the name of Jesus. Now we can say this about Demetrius by referring to verse 7 and 8. They describe the kind of man of which he was an example. Now we go back to verse 7 and 8, which we skipped earlier. Verse 7, For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like this, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. The words here describe the first group of traveling missionaries. As they went from place to place, they would enjoy the hospitality of the various churches. They labored as evangelists in that area, reaching out into places where the church had not gone yet, being supported and strengthened by those various churches. As, 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 and John describes them. He says that they have gone out and they have left things behind. They gave up their income and their work and went out to obey this higher calling. Not everyone goes. That was true in the early church as it is today. Some of us in this congregation are full-time missionaries, evangelists. Most of us are not, but we are still partners and co-workers sharing the same mission. There were some, most of us, are like Gaius, who were to stay to help support those who goes out. There are specifically some whom the Holy Spirit said, come, I have called you to a special task. And their motive is given here in, in, in uh, John's own letter. They were called by the Holy Spirit and their motive is to go for his sake, for the name's sake of Jesus. Why is that so important? Uh, we go to Paul in Philippians chapter 2, the name of Jesus. Philippians 2 verse 9 to 11. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So this is the truth. A deep concern for the name of Jesus has to be the underlying motive for missionary work. That was Demetrius' motivation. He walked this truth, going out for the sake of Jesus' name. It also ought to be the motive of missionaries today. It is not just to meet the need of people that calls us out to different places in the world to preach the gospel. Missionaries do not go out to a poor country because they are physical needs to be met. Even in a rich country, a rich community, it is said that there are those who have everything materially, but who live ignorantly as unrepentant sinners. 
The death of Jesus on the cross is for the poor and the rich. Those who do not know him need to hear his name and the good news of grace and salvation. They need to know the truth and turn their lives around to walk in the truth. There is a need everywhere. Everyone without Christ is in need. There's a need for Christ here in Kuala Lumpur, and there is a need for Christ in your office, in your school, in your college, and wherever God places you. This should be the great motivation of the Great Commission, that the Lord Jesus had died for the sins of men everywhere, and that he longs to have from every tribe and nation a people in his name. Verse 8 in 3 John spells out the role and the part played by those like most of us who stayed home and do not go. Therefore, we ought to support people like this, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Not everyone can go, but everyone has a role and can participate as fellow worker for the truth. This is a calling to us in GCC. For those who can go out and preach and evangelize, you are the mistress. Go. For those of us who stay back, you have a role in providing support to those who go out, like Gaius. Your role is just as important in living out the truth. Walk in truth. When we give to support missionaries, do it to lift up the name of Jesus. In verse 7 and 8, very specifically, is, is a call from John and reaffirm, affirming Gaius that what he's doing in supporting missionaries is the right thing and a good thing. So based the call to give and support missionaries from 7 and 8, on God's word. Remember that it is not about you. Humble yourself and give, just like Christ, how he humbled himself in obedience to the point of death. Now, we read just now Second uh, Philippians 2, verse 9 to 11, but uh, we, we started with, therefore, uh, I'll read that again, right? Therefore, God has highly exalted him, so therefore means something has happened before that. And let's read verse 5 to 8. Verses 5 to 8 in Philippians 2 explains why God exalted Jesus. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him. So it gives... The reminder is that follow what Jesus did, even as... He was in the form of God. He humbled himself. And that is why he was exalted. Give. If we support missionaries when we give, give 
in the name of Christ, not in your own name. And uh, as we were preparing for this message, and uh, uh, Chris reminded us, uh, me in our discussion, that we should do it humbly when we support uh, mission work and respond to the gospel, not for the status and not for recognition. You know, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that's the call of how we should support missionaries. But there's also this very important reminder that we are not to be like theotrophists. Are you too big or too important to serve, to be of service? If you can't go and you can't support those who go, are you too big? If any of us are too big for to go and to support those who go, we are, are we saying we are too big for God? The Theotrephus sought to exalt himself, rejecting the brethren that John sent and punishing those in his church who were willing to receive and serve them. Now, there's actually nothing in the Bible to suggest that in any way Theotrephus had invited false teachers into his home. There's no indication that Theotrephus was subscribing to some false doctrine that they were teaching. He was not a heretic, as far as we know, but he was probably fundamentally as orthodox as John, the apostle himself. But there was one big problem with Theotrephus. It was his attitude of heart. He placed himself higher, and in so doing, his actions was considered evil. Now, John closes this letter with uh, some very personal words. I'll read to you verse 13 to 15. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we'll talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. So that's I find this particular closing of this letter really intimate. It seems as though it came not only from John to Gaius, but actually I get a sense that it is word that Jesus himself could be speaking to the church. As I said earlier, we can read this letter as if it is a reflect as if it is reflecting what Lord Jesus is saying to his own church. What he's really saying is this to us. There is much I like to write to you about. He has written the whole book. The Bible is there for us. But he has much more to tell us. But he says, I'll rather not write with pen and ink. But I hope to see you soon. And we will talk together face to face. If that was, those were the words of Jesus to us, I hope it sinks and touches your heart and helps you understand the truth that we are called to walk in. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that your name has not lost any of its ancient power to attract and bring us to yourself. 
we pray that you will strengthen our hearts and encourage us to honor your name here below until we see you face to face. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We invite you to learn more about Gospel City Church at gospelcitychurch.my.